Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, a market that I think the consensus is, thank God it's Friday, and thank God we're going into a three-day holiday weekend. Some big struggles, some interesting market trades, and some long-term effects that we're going to talk about getting through this week's numbers. Stick around, a lot more is coming up after this. Meet the champions of innovation in the heart of Nebraska. They're not just farmers, and they nurture more than just crops. Pushing boundaries and turning challenges into opportunities. They trade knowledge and know-how, and their dedication doesn't end at harvest. It's in your every bite and every drive. The future of food, fuel, and fiber, and the future of Nebraska starts right here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me today, we've got Jim McCormick and Brian Split. They are both with agmarket.net. And I think I need to start out there. This week has been probably one of the most longest weeks of five days I've seen in a while for these markets. Kind of give me your thoughts on what seemed to set the tone for this trade this week. Yeah, Susan, it's been a very long month this week. And, uh, you know, we, we just continue to walk in every morning and, and the market's lower uh, when we wake up. And if it is higher... Uh, when we wake up, so it seems to go lower during the day session. So we were able to see soybeans uh, maintain some of the gains for the day, which has not been typical of, of uh, what we've seen this week. But uh, right now we're still dealing with the overwhelming uh, uh, story right now, which is all of the bushels uh, that need to be priced on the basis contracts that were set. And a lot of these basis contracts for corn were likely set off in December uh, and were rolled to March. And depending on how long the producer waited to roll that basis contract, if they waited to the very last day, you know, you, re you reduced your basis by 25 cents. And so now we're coming into the same situation where delivery is coming up at the end of the month. The basis contracts are due. Does the grain move from the producer to the commercial hands? Uh, if not, do they roll it again? How wide does the carry get between March and May? If it goes to 15 cents, now you're going from 25 cents to another 15 cents. So you've, you've reduced your basis by 40 cents by rolling it twice and the futures have gone down and you're still paying interest on the money. So uh, again, it's a, it's a triple whammy when this bear market gets in, in effect. Um, so I think it's be difficult for the market to get a meaningful rally until we're through this period going into first notice day for corn. Well, Jim, and I think that as you both alluded to during before we started this program, there's a lot of stuff coming due here the 1st of March, which is not very far away, um, just a couple of short weeks. Yeah, I mean, the big the big number, Susan, is the cash rent for a lot of producers. They've got to come up with that check day one. And I think that's part of the problem we're seeing in the market right now is producers in certain areas of the country are puking out the grain, plain and simple. Um, I'm, you know, I know I talked to several clients today in Indiana. They actually gave up trucking simply because the line was too long. And, you know, some of that grain they're telling me is being delivered from forward contracts, but some of it's just being spotted out. The producers, plain and simple, have just run out of time. Uh, you know, their banks are very leery extending lines of credit at this time of year when they've got for old crop and new crop. I mean, it's just become a very fiscal the struggling problem for a lot of people in the farm industry right now. And, you know, the best way to generate income is sell grain. And normally what, you know, everyone's asking, are we near the low? Well, historically, when we get to these type of situations, unfortunately, that is a sign that we are near the low, but maybe not there yet. All right. So, Brian, how close are we to that bottom in these grain complex? 
you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I would probably given you a number that we're, we've already gone through. I thought the uh, that 436 area in March corn should have been some good support. It was for a little bit. Uh, but once we got through it, we broke through and made another leg lower. And now, um, you know, and, and if you think back, Susan, over the last year, uh, we did a lot of, of uh, talk and in, in comparing 2023 to 2013. And one of the themes was that the market didn't bottom uh, on that major break until we got to 2024. Now, the bottom came in January that year, but the front month contract traded down to 406 and a quarter. Uh, so now that's about a dime away, roughly, from where the market uh, finished up today. So I think that seems to be the next major obvious objective. And, um, you know, if we test that, um, we might, the market may want to run some stops below there. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if it maybe tries to push it a little bit through there. But that's the next major objective. And frankly, you know, we've got some work to do to the upside. But the funds are so stinking short right now for this time of year, not only for this time of year, but just from a pure how short are they versus records. And there will be a commitment to trade report that comes out while we're talking. Uh, I won't know what it says until afterwards. But I suspect that the funds as of Tuesday of this week are going to be very close to record short in corn and beans. Uh, if not a record short because of what we've done since the previous report. Um, so again, that doesn't mean we need to bottom today, tomorrow or next week, but when the funds have that big of a position on before the growing season, before we planted a single seed in the ground, before we truly know what the acres are going to be, before we know what the Safrina corn crop in Brazil looks like, I think there will be a period where the market has a conversation of what if we don't have trend line yields, what if bean yield is 50 instead of 52, and that's 173 million bushels of lost production. What if corn you know, is a 176 instead of 181, which is still a very good crop historically? And when we start to price those things in and the funds decide to cover, we'll have an opportunity, but we're not there yet. At least it doesn't feel like we are at this point. So, Jim, as you look at everything and everything that Brian's talking about, and obviously you're in agreement with that, we threw in the fact that we had an ag outlook um, numbers that came out on Thursday, but you can't bank on those numbers because they're going to continue to change. I mean, there's just a lot of factors these grain guys are going to have to look at and then try to keep the emotion out of their marketing plan as well. Well, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, let's start with the outlook numbers. You know, it's a starting point. A lot of people always get very, when, we, when these numbers come out, Susan, we always hear from our clients, you know, the yield's too high, the acres are too low. I always try to remind everyone, it is a starting point. You've got to start somewhere. This is a starting point. We always start at a trend yield. That's where we're at. We haven't hit trend for a while. You know, we'll see what it is. Iowa is still quite dry. So it's hard to think Iowa can hit trend on yields. The other thing is the acres debate. Right now, if anybody is running balance sheets, Susan, it is just, it's bloody, plain and simple. There is, you know, most, a lot of producers in forestry are looking at negative returns at the moment. I think you're looking at probably just because the cost of producing corn compared to beans is going to look even worse. So you're going to hear people talk, maybe plant less corn than what the USDA did. That could change the balance sheet. The other thing we a lot of people haven't looked at is cotton market. It has actually exploded last couple of weeks. So cotton may be buying some acres away from, from other production or you know other, other crops, excuse me. So there's a lot of water to get under the bridge. If I'm a producer out there, I am going to try to hold on to as much as bushels as I can at near term. It is only mid-February. As Brian pointed out, we don't know what the Safrina crop is. The Argentina crop went through some extreme heat, 100 degree plus heat here a few weeks back. We don't know what kind of damage that is. 
And then lastly, we just don't know, you know, what the economy is going to do in the long run. So it's something that, uh, you know, you need to be prepared for a rally. It will happen. The question just is when. So you talked about this explosion in the cotton market. We don't talk a lot of cotton, but we know we've got cotton growers that listen to us. Why is cotton such a hot market right now and the potential to steal away from the corn? Well, I think part of it is stocks. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry, Jim. No, go ahead, Brian. It's got to do with stocks and and, uh, uh, the uh, exports that we've seen. And so uh, even though that we've seen uh, a lot of countries globally look like they're heading into recession, whether it's UK or uh, uh, France, uh, I think there's some South America countries that are projected to be in a recession right now. Ireland's another one of them. That's not South America, obviously, but um, there's still been good demand for cotton. We had a a crop that got smaller at the tail end. Um, The market was in a downtrend and it took a while. It took a while for the market to, to realize where it was. And so, for example, you saw July cotton trading, you know, maybe at a a three cent uh, premium to the new crop for next year. And now it's up at 10, 10 and a half cents premium. So uh, this old crop has really, really rallied quite a bit on on demand and tight stocks on old crop Uh, that has pulled the new crop higher. New crop is revisiting highs that we saw last summer. Um, I have talked to some clients that grow cotton that have taken this as an opportunity to do some minor marketing just because of how much we've moved off of lows. That's been about a 10 cent uh, uh, move on the new crop. And, and I do think that what we've seen with cotton, uh, what we're seeing with, with uh, rice values currently, that was trading over 15 for new crop rice uh, you know, a week, week and a half ago. Uh, I think those markets could potentially be taking some of the, you know, the industry may call them fringe acres. But there's some big growers, I tell you, you know, in, in, in Arkansas and Missouri, uh, that they can change their planting intentions if it makes sense. And they will. Uh, and so we could be seeing some of these secondary uh, markets be taking away acres here and there. Um, so, again, with the acreage scenario, uh, and then we'll know more on March 31st when that planning intention survey comes out. But historically, that number is not going to be the same numbers that we got on the February outlook form. And there can still be some very big surprises from that. Jim, anything you want to follow up on with that? Well, the other thing I'm just going to say, Susan, some of it's just pure technical. I mean, if you look away, these funds are trade nowadays. A lot of it's just analog driven. It's computer driven. New highs, you get new highs. New highs just drive more money to the, you know, to the markets, new lows. Look at the grains. The funds keep adding to a bearish market in the grains. The commodities that are run, cocoa, sugar, look at the stock market. They're overvalued, but as soon as you make new highs, they're there to buy the break. So I think that is also fueling a little bit of the cotton run as well. Well, as we continue and get close to wrapping up today's program, I did have to ask about this cattle market because um, it turned itself around to finish up on some higher notes on a, on a Friday. What is your thought momentum on this market as we go into a holiday weekend? And I guess maybe that's just grains in general too, but what do you see for these cattle going forward? Tell you on the charts, uh, this pullback this week, they, they held right where they should have on both the live and the feeder cattle. You've got feeder cattle in an uptrend. The lows here the last couple of days was right at that upward trend line. We're in an upward trending channel. We've got several dollars to go to, to get to the upper end of the channel. There's still gaps above the market that are going to remain as targets. Uh, April live cattle has a gap. I believe it's at 190.27. So after making a new high for this move today, after this little pullback, it looks technically sound. And it looks to me like they're going to go try to hit that gap. All right, Jim, what about for you? We've got that holiday weekend. What could we expect come Tuesday? I think overall, you know, the technicals look bullish, as Brian said, but I think the fundamentals are definitely bullish, Susan. 
look at the supply of cattle. It is at 50-year lows. So we know the supply, supply is tight. We know the cattle definitely struggled to put on weight during the bitter cold there a few weeks ago. But more importantly, look at the, look at the consumer. He continues to spend. Consumer confidence was up again this month. So the consumer is very comfortable with the economy. The stock market continues to make new highs as a whole. Interest rates, they may not get cut as quick as we thought due to the inflation readings we had this week. But overall, the consumer seems comfortable. So I think that is an ingredient for a bullish cattle market. Tight supplies, a positive consumer, positive demand. That usually means we're going to go higher. And I think there's a decent shot that those two forces stay intact. You'll test the highs later on this spring, summer. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, both for joining us today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys uh, come Commodity Classic here in a few short weeks. Looking like forward to seeing you down there, Houston, Susan. All right. Just a quick reminder to folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.